Well, welcome. I'm glad to see you, glad that you're here today. I'm glad to get to be with you here in Coral Gables. I don't get to do that very often. I am privileged to be a part of the Kindle campus. There are hundreds of folks right now, including Pastor Bill, by the way, who are worshiping at the same time that we are here. And so a uh, special hey to my friends out in the Kindle campus. Uh, we also have thousands of people, I hope you know this, thousands of people around the globe who are going to be experiencing this service along with us throughout this week in our church online experience. You're a part of that. So thank you for being a part of that. We want to say a special hello to our friends around the globe, people in Turkey, people in the Middle East, people in South America and the Caribbean, literally around the globe. We've had people visit our service from every country on the planet. I think that's remarkable, and we're a part of that because God has brought us together as a family. You're here in our Coral Gables campus, and uh, as my wife and I get to visit with you from time to time, it's such a privilege to be here and today to share a little bit about what God is doing in, in my life, in our family, and in our family together. We're continuing in a series, as Pastor Ryan told us, a series called The Christ Journey, Your Personal Pathway to Blessing. Last week, Pastor Bill helped by identifying the first three Beatitudes in the, the Sermon on the Mount. This is one of Jesus' most significant teachings that we have recorded in Scripture. The Sermon on the Mount starts off with what we call the Beatitudes, the blessed are verses. Bill talked last week about the first three and how they identify for us kingdom access, that we have a way into God's kingdom. Today, I'm going to be looking at the next three of those Beatitudes, which help us to see that God has a kingdom affluence that he wants to share with us affluence, that we are rich in the blessings that God extends to us as his family when we belong to him and to his family. Some of you are old enough like me to remember back in the 1970s when an author by the name of Alex Haley released a book entitled Roots. Do you remember that? Anybody? Remember? You don't have to raise your hand. That'll identify our generation, won't it? Uh, Roots, his 900-page story of his American family, which dated back to 18th century Africa, helped share for us the experience of getting in touch with our family tree, in touch with our family heritage. Uh, no one knew at the time, but Haley's best-selling book, which was followed a year later by a blockbuster miniseries on television, uh, started a craze that is extended to this date in the United States, a genealogy craze. It is a, 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 a phenomenon that we have experienced up to this point after four decades of exploring who we are, who we belong to. What about our family tree is interesting to us. Uh, since then, you know that there have been billions of dollars invested in many new websites. There have been books written. There are television shows. It's a billion-dollar industry that in includes most recently something that is a, a kind of a cottage industry in DNA 
ancestry testing. Maybe you've seen something like this on TV. Growing up, we were German. We danced in a German dance group. I wore lederhosen. When I first got on Ancestry, I was really surprised that I wasn't finding all of these Germans in my uh, tree. I decided to have my DNA tested through Ancestry DNA. The big surprise was we're, we're not German at all. 52% of my DNA comes from Scotland and Ireland. So I traded in my lederhosen for a kilt. Ancestry has many paths to discovering your story. Some of y'all need a kilt, right? We like to know where we've come from, what our family tree looks like. Some of us have probably been on that Ancestry.com website, haven't we? We've heard through the years since then, on Lion King, we've heard Mufasa, the voice of Mufasa, the father, say to Simba, remember who you are, right? We uh, maybe have, you've seen on TV, the TV celebrities who are seeking the answer to the question, who do you think you are? In TV shows that try to determine their, their family heritage. Uh, we've had a little bit of a story in my family over these past several years. My, my daughter, Amanda, uh, is grown now, has her own family. My son, Matt, also grown now and has his own family. Matt lives in, in uh, Atlanta. But they were both adopted by my wife and me when they were infants. We brought them home from the hospital, but they were adopted into our family. About the only thing we knew about either of their birth families was in Matt's case, we heard, we knew from a caseworker that was involved in our situation 27 years ago, that Matt's birth father was a member of the Seminole tribe of Florida, just up the road here. Uh, his 17-year-old unwed mother, Matt's unwed birth mother, was not a member of the Seminole tribe, but she was a high school senior. Uh, she did not have a lot of support from her family, but to her credit, she was willing to, to give him life. She brought him full term, and then she was gracious enough to, to have him adopted into our family. And for that, we are forever grateful. When 18 years later, Matt was ready to go off to college, one of the things that was intriguing to him, and all along he knew about his birth father's seminal heritage, when he got to the age of going off to college, we wanted him to be able to apply for some college scholarships. And do you know that there are some scholarships available to Native Americans? If you qualify at a certain level, Native American heritage would qualify him to, to uh, access some scholarships. So he started that process only to discover that he had to have something official to say that he was literally a member of the tribe. Well, he wasn't at that point, and so we had to go through and did. A friend of ours, an attorney, helped us go through the process of finding out his birth father's name. We were able, Matt was able to contact him the first time by phone to tell him who he was and to see if he would just simply sign his registration form so Matt could become a member of the Seminole tribe. Well, the father said, I, I don't want to do this over the phone. I want when you come back into town. And Matt had frankly already gone off to his freshman year in New York. Uh, he said, when you come back into town, we'll meet and we'll talk about it. 
Matt began to call him over the next several months just to try to set that up, and his birth father would never answer that phone call just never answered it. Matt, when he came home for spring break, went up to Fort Lauderdale area. We had the address where his birth father lived. He knocked on the door. His birth father was not there. His grandmother, Matt's grandmother was there. She met Matt, loved on him, but said, Matt, he doesn't want to speak to you. Please don't ever contact him again. Well, Matt was despondent about not being able to meet him for the first part. Secondly, not to be able to apply for those scholarships, but he was already in school, and so school continued on, school loans in hand. Some of you know what I'm talking about, not only to him, but to good old dear old dad, right? School loans in hand. How about you, though? Have you ever sought to find who you belong to, whether it's on an Ancestry.com type of website? Have you ever considered your spiritual family, your family of faith, your family heritage that God has for you as a part of this family? That's such an amazing thing because God has listed for us the blessings that you have if you were to be a part of his family. A few weeks ago, just recently, Pastor Bill helped us to understand a little bit more about what it meant to have an identity in Christ, the value of that, the benefits of that. Today, I want to show you some of the specific blessings that are yours when you are a member of God's family. We're going to be looking at these next three verses, verses 6 through 8 in chapter 5, to see that God offers blessings to those who belong to him. God has blessings for you, and maybe you didn't know that. Maybe you're on the outside looking in. Maybe you're considering, why would I ever want to belong to that Christian family, to that church, to God's family? Today, this is help for you, and maybe if you have been a part of this family, but you've never experienced these blessings, these are untapped resources for you that we're going to be taking a look at. We're going to look at three of them, one at a time. The first verse, the first blessing starts in verse 6 of chapter 5, when Jesus tells us that we will experience the blessing of fullness. The blessing of fullness. Listen to Matthew 5, 6. Jesus said, Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be, what? Filled. Many of us hunger and thirst for lots of things in life, don't we? I mean, some of us hunger and thirst for pleasure. I mean, if we could just uh, go through life with no pain, only pleasure, that would be what we hunger and thirst for. Some of us hunger and thirst for prosperity. You know, if we just had a bigger bank account, we'd be, we'd be satisfied, we'd be happy. Some of us hunger and thirst for power. You know, if I had my own company, if I were the boss, I would know how to run this thing. I don't wanna have somebody telling me what to do. We hunger for pleasure or for prosperity or for power and so many other things. And what we usually find is that when we start acquiring those things more and more, we discover that the more we acquire, the more we want. They just don't seem to satisfy. Uh, I'm going to do a really th an old throwback here. Mick Jagger. Okay. I know some of you over here know Mick Jagger. And the Rolling Stones, right? 
He said to us many, many years ago, you can't get no... Ah, there's a lot of you in here. (laughs) You know what? He tried. He lived the rock and roll superstar lifestyle. And years later, you know what song he released? You can't always get... You know the truth, don't you? He knew the truth. We seem to hunger and thirst after things that Jesus would describe, I think, in our current language as junk food. You know, you just can't get satisfied eating on junk food. We try to find satisfaction in all these things in life, pleasure and prosperity and power. And Jesus says, no, wait, wait, wait. I want you to be satisfied. I want you to have fullness in life, but it's not gonna be because you're full of junk food. It's when you are hungry and thirsty for what? For righteousness, for righteousness. Now I wanna be clear here. Righteousness is not a list of right behaviors that you have to check off your list. Some of us think that. Some of us think that if I could just do all the right things and not do all the bad things, all of my behaviors determine how satisfied I'm gonna be in life and how satisfied God's gonna be with me. Righteousness is not a list of right behaviors. Righteousness, to put it simply, is a right standing with God a right standing with God, and God alone makes that possible for you. You can't do enough of the right stuff to have a right standing with God. He makes it possible. I'm gonna come back to that one in a little bit. So what are you hungry and thirsty for? Where are you looking to find satisfaction in your life? The blessing of satisfaction of fullness only comes when you hunger and thirst after a right standing with God because God offers blessing to those who belong to him. Now let's take a look at the second family blessing. He wants you to experience the blessing of forgiveness. The blessing of forgiveness. Listen to verse seven. Chapter five, book of Matthew. You can follow along in the app. You can follow it on the screen. Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy, Jesus said. So what exactly does it mean to show mercy? Okay, here's my simple definition of showing mercy. Mercy is not giving someone the payback that they deserve. Let me say that again. Mercy is not giving somebody the payback that they deserve. You know, we live in a world of hurt. I mean, people offend me. People offend you. People hurt us, don't they? We also know that hurt people hurt people. That's the way we live our lives. We get hurt and we bottle that up oftentimes and we hurt ourselves again and we hurt other people around us because hurt people hurt people. When we are hurt, our natural reaction is to hit back. We wanna get even. But into that, Jesus says, we need to demonstrate mercy. Being merciful means giving people a second chance. It means doing good to those who hurt you. We can only be merciful to people who have hurt us. But we live in a world of hurt, don't we? 
We, we, some of us are carrying around wounds. Maybe you're suffering from an old wound that you've not been able to let go of. If, if you need to hit something, then I suggest you hit the reboot button. The reboot button of forgiveness. Forgiveness happens when you lay down your right to get even. Doesn't mean that what they did to you wasn't a good thing. It was probably a bad thing. We're sure it is. You felt that hurt, but until you are willing to lay down your right to get even, you'll not experience the, the freeing power and the blessing of forgiveness. But why would we want to build this bridge of love to them? These people hurt us. Why would we try to turn that around? I mean, what sometimes old timers will say is, Lord, have mercy. Lord, have mercy. And you know what the Lord says to that? He says, I already have. I've already had mercy. Mercy on you. You hurt me. You have been forgiven. Now you go and forgive that person. Now it's your turn to express mercy. We, in this family, in the blessing family of God, we become a community of forgiven forgivers where forgiveness becomes the economy of our system, not getting even with one another. It's a blessing that God extends to us. Do you know what happens when we live in that kind of economy? Jesus says he forgives us and we forgive them and he forgives us and we forgive them. It becomes a means of exchange. It becomes the norm. A few verses later in this same sermon, Jesus doubles down on this very point when he says, if you forgive other people when they sin against you, your heavenly father will also forgive you. It's just the nature of our relationship when we are in his family of blessing. God wants to give you the blessing of forgiveness because he offers blessing when we belong to him. And that brings us to the third family blessing, the blessing of focus. You can experience the blessing of focus. Here's what that is. That's seeing the Father, God the Father, clearly at work in your life and in your relationships and in the lives of people around you. And in our world, we begin to see God. Listen to this verse, verse eight, he says, blessed are the pure in heart for what? They will see God. It is an amazing thing when God begins to loom larger in your sight. When you begin to see prayers being answered, he begins to get bigger in your relationships and a more a part of your world. It is a wonderful family blessing when he becomes the, and this is the Bible word, the Lord of your life, the boss in your life. When you are pure in heart, he becomes more and more significant in your life. And it's a wonderful family blessing. But what does it mean to be pure in heart? I mean, if that simply means to clean up your act, right? To, to change your behaviors, the things that you're doing that you need to stop doing, or the things that you're not doing that you need to start doing. If it's just about cleaning up your behavior, well, that's going to be tough enough, right? Because I know how hard it is to clean up my behavior in my own strength. 
But what if it doesn't just mean that? It means also that you're gonna have to change and clean up your thoughts, your emotions, and your motives. I mean, that just sounds like too big a hurdle for me to overcome. How about you? And if you're saying, yeah, that's too big a step for me, I'm out, you're exactly right. You cannot do this in your own strength. It is too big a hurdle for any of us to try to clean, to be pure in heart in our own strength. It's just not possible. Here's what being pure in heart means in this verse. It means that you are filled and forgiven and firmly established in a relationship with Christ. Filled and forgiven and firmly established in a relationship with Christ. Jesus here is speaking about the heart of someone whose sins have been forgiven, whose heart has been made new, whose purity comes not from themselves, but from the presence of Christ in their lives. It doesn't mean that you and I must be or even can be perfect, but it does mean that we've come to a point where we have made Jesus the Lord or the boss in our lives. And when it does, he blesses us in ways and we see him at work in ways that we could have never imagined. Don't miss the blessing of focus that God becomes clearer in your life. Don't miss the blessing of fullness, the satisfaction that you can get when you're a part of his family. Don't miss the blessing of forgiveness that he offers and that we offer to each other and becomes our economy. God offers blessings when we belong to him. Those three huge blessings that he has for you. In these last few months, my family has experienced a kind of a modern day parable or a picture of family blessings that God wants to give his children. A little earlier, I told you about my son and his rejected efforts to become a member of the Seminole tribe. Uh, his rejection by his father, his birth father, was, was, I think, very difficult for him at that time in his life. Uh, nine years have passed since that happened. Uh, Matt has uh, finished college, just went off to college, believing he would never have that connection with his Seminole heritage. He finished college, a gator, by the way, not a Seminole. Okay. Um, he, he married his high school sweetheart, Sarah, who grew up here in this family. I baptized her right there years ago. Sarah and Matt had a beautiful daughter, Cora. I told Bill I had to catch up with him. You know, he gets to show you <laughs> grandchildren pictures all the time. This is one of my beautiful grandkids. Cora's 15 months now, right, Jenna? Something like that. As of this past year, Matt and Sarah and Cora moved to Atlanta. Uh, Matt is an artist. He's actually working in his field as a graphic designer. Uh, this past July, living in Atlanta, he gets a contact through Facebook from someone inside the Seminole tribe. Turns out it's his birth father's brother, someone now we call Uncle William. Uncle William 
had discovered Matt's information, who he was, and, and it just had been looking for him because of a letter, an, a three-page handwritten letter on yellow paper that Matt had written nine years before to his birth father, asking for his help in becoming a member of that, of that family. Uncle William had discovered Matt's name and found him on Facebook, and they began a correspondence over several weeks, after which Uncle William told Matt that he would like to sponsor him into the Seminole tribe. And he said, Matt, would you like that? And Matt said, well, of course I would. Uncle William said, Matt, I want to do this because it's your birthright. It is your birthright. Over the next several months, Matt talked regularly with Uncle William and other administrators there in the Seminole tribe of Florida, and they were working through the membership process. And at one point, a very helpful lady there that we had met nine years before, the registrar told Matt, hey, um, I have some information that we got a year ago from someone outside the tribe that I believe may be your birth mother, and she's looking for you. Would you like that information? Upon receiving that, Matt wrote a beautiful one-page email to her. And uh, it started under the subject, my name is Matthew Weidman, and I believe I may be your son. Uh, he described his upbringing in our home. He described his schooling, his work, his beautiful family. And then he closed with these words in that email. He said, I want to thank you for the act of giving me up for adoption. I had a wonderful upbringing and I am grateful for that. I know having a baby at 17 must have been an enormous challenge. I'm finding fatherhood a lot of work even at 27 years of age. I wanted to let you know that I carry no resentment towards you. There's that act of forgiveness, right? I'm not sure what you're hoping for, but I would like to have a relationship with you and yours, whatever that may be, however you would like to proceed, is fine by me. I look forward to hearing back from you. I've read that email 50 times and it still gets me, that one. A day later, Matt received an email back. Much of this has been, frankly, on Facebook, and some of you have already seen and heard a lot of this story. But the next day, Matt receives an email back from his birth mother, who had since married someone else, had moved now to Oklahoma for the last 13 or 14 years, and her letter started like this. Matthew, I cannot even begin to tell you how I have longed for this day. There is so much that I want to tell you and so many questions that I want to ask you. I have prayed for you your entire life and have trusted that God has loved you and blessed you. I am so thankful and relieved to hear how well you're doing and what loving parents you have. Giving you up was not my choice. It was the hardest thing I ever had to do but I know that it was what God had planned for you. My home life was not stable and I didn't have much support from my family. 
I knew that if, if I tried to raise you on my own, that it, it wouldn't be fair to you, nor would I have been able to give you the life you deserve. I wanted you to grow up in a loving, stable Christian home, and I am so thankful to hear that you did. She went on to tell Matt about her family, her husband Larry, now of 25 years, her three grown children, and her efforts to find Matt over those previous nine years. And then she concluded with these words, I would love to have a relationship with you and your family and you with mine. This is a moment that I have prayed for for a very long time. Thank you for the kind words. Knowing that you do not resent me is a huge burden lifted from my soul. You see the power of forgiveness? She continued on, I've always loved you even though I've never gotten to know you. Every birthday of yours that passed, I would thank God for your life. You have truly filled a void in my heart by letting me know that you've had such a wonderful life. In those four months that have passed since that letter, these last four months, Matt completed his application process and is now a full member of the Seminole Tribe of Florida. You, you remember those student loans? <laughs> the debt has been paid, right? Um, Matt and Sarah and Cora came down to Florida in December, came down here from Atlanta to meet Uncle William and Aunt Marion and their nine children. Uh, Matt actually also met his birth father for the first time, who is still having trouble working through the emotional pain of what this all means to him. Matt's family attended the Seminole Tribe Christmas party, and Cora received her first Seminole dress to wear to the party. <laughs> Isn't she beautiful? Just this past week, literally a week ago, Matt's birth mother, Patty, and her husband, Larry, flew from Oklahoma to Atlanta to meet Matt for the first time, her firstborn. They took a video, Larry took a video of them in front of the Atlanta airport meeting for the first time. I want you to see it. <laughs> Some of you have asked Jenna and me, how do you guys feel about this? A couple of things. A good friend of ours, Aida, who was in the first service over here, told us one time, you can never have too many people loving your kids. We agree with that. 
Number two, before this all happened, Matt called his mom over here and said, Mom, no matter what happens in all of this, you know you'll always be my mom, right? There's enough room in this family for you and for all of these moms and all of these children to, to love one another and to live in a, in a family of forgiving, of beginning again. Are you in that family? Are you in this family? I mean, why not? You know, you can't, you can't become a member of this family either on your own. Matt couldn't become a member of the Seminole family on his own. He had to have help from somebody who was already in. But guess what? You already have somebody who has interceded for you to be a member of this family. His name is Jesus. Jesus came to, to this world and lived a sin, sinless life and was crucified to pay your debt so that you could come into this family, full life, forgiven, focused on him as the boss, as the Lord of your life. Jesus has paid the price for you. Jesus has made it possible for you to be a member of this family. You know, we often talk about being born again, but the Bible also tells us that we are adopted into God's family. Ephesians 1 verse 5 says, He has adopted us as His sons through Jesus Christ. Jesus is saying, come on, you're part of the family. He's a good, good father. Most of us don't have the kinds of fathers. Our fathers make mistakes, don't they? A lot of us just say, you know, my father's not a great father. This father is. The father that's welcomed Matt into this family is a good, good father. He's standing there for you with his arms open wide, saying, please, come. I want you to receive all the blessings that I have for you. Why don't you say yes? Why don't you say yes today? Let's pray. Father, we're so grateful that you love us so much that you would pay the ultimate price with the, the life of your son that we would be in relationship in right standing with you. Father, I lift up each person here today who's maybe been a part of your family, but they're living beneath their blessings. They're not experiencing. They're withholding forgiveness, and so they're not able to experience the love and the blessing of forgiveness in your family, the, the fullness that you have and the focus that you bring to their lives when, when you are the Lord of their lives. I pray your hand of blessing to be on them and that they would make that step today. And then there are those of us here today in this room who have never accepted the gift that God has for you of being a part of this family. 
So I'm gonna say a prayer, and if you've never received Christ into your life to be a part of this family, I, I wanna encourage you to just repeat this prayer in your heart silently where you're sitting right now. Father, I have really messed things up in my life. Father, I have sinned and I fall short of your plan for my life. Father, I now invite Jesus to come into my life. I know that he is the only way that I cannot do anything in my own strength, but only by your power and strength, Jesus, do I have a right standing with the Father. Thank you, Jesus, for coming into my life. Thank you for becoming my savior. And I give you all of my life and you will be my Lord. In Jesus' name I pray. Now, with your head still bowed, if you prayed that prayer with me just now, maybe for the first time, asking Jesus to come into your heart, would you do me the, the, pre, the privilege of just raising your hand briefly so that I can just say a blessing for you? I'll not call on you. I see your hand. Thank you. I see your hand. I see your hand. I see your hand. Thank you. God is at work. God is wel welcoming with arms wide open new members of his family right here. Father, I, I just ask that these who've held up their hands will experience all the blessing that you've promised us in your word and in our experience that we know you are a good, good father. And we thank you in Jesus' name, amen.